In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3, verse 28. God is the unconditional lover. He created us and loves us regardless of who we are. He may not be too keen on our actions, but he loves us nonetheless. Unconditional love. What a gift. I received it from my parents and I give it to my children. There's no teaching it, no unconditional love 101 courses at college. It happens all by itself when that little helpless bundle is placed in your arms. Zap, you're done for. God is very clever. By creating this reaction in our brain, in our heart, in our soul, he sets in motion a very powerful tool, one that will eventually bring our children, well, at least most of them, into union with us, not to be clones, but to be unique people whom we love to be around and who will feel unconditional love in turn for their children. Our children, through this powerful kind of love, will be clothed with our love, protected, shielded, strengthened as we are with God's love. Did you know that the very voice of a mother, even down a telephone line, calms her child? It triggers a chemical in the brain that settles him, makes her feel swaddled, bundled up with love. Let's bask in faith and feel God's unconditional love for us and rejoice that we are all one in God's eyes. From his perspective, there are no male or female, slave or free, foreign or English, no distinctions between his love for you, me and the world. Difficult to grasp, but true. Thank God for God. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. My guest this week is Trisha Goya, a prolific writer and lover of Jesus who invites women everywhere to cast aside discouragement and fear to live real life inspired. Also coming up, my daughter's final week at college, a seven-mile walk, heavy coats and scars, the end of my book, and homecoming suggestions without the hoopla. I'm still insisting on shorts, which look a bit odd with Uggs and gloves, and my hands are around a large mug of Earl Grey tea for a change with rich tea biscuits, which I'd forgotten about. Have a sit down and listen for an hour as I prove that homeschooling can be for everyone, especially you. As I mentioned, this is my daughter's final week at college. She still has three, maybe four days to go over the weekend. Um, then she's in London over by Euston Station at the Shaw Theatre for rehearsals for her final performance next weekend, the 8th and 9th of July. The pressure has been mammoth. We've hardly spoken to her. She's like a bear with a sore head. 
She's being pushed so hard, her body's letting her down, and she has another cough and cold, not to mention her bruised muscles and joints from being flung around the stage, bashed up feet from rigorous point work to barefoot, and lack of sleep because of working into the wee hours and having to be back for classes the next morning. Well, in a way, I'm glad she's staying at a hotel for that rehearsal week. She'd have to restrain herself too much around our tender ministerings. And the best we can do is make sure she has sandwich fixings and pasta to eat whenever and lots of fruit and veggies. So if you think about it, keep her in, in your prayers as she goes through this final week. And it's cold. And as I said, I'm in shorts and Uggs, but then the temperature changes through the day as we're out. Nothing too, too drastic, well, but you pretty much have to take several weather-related items along for the ride, like an umbrella, some wellies, a hat, some sunglasses, gloves, and a backpack to keep the changes in. It's silly. I went for a seven-mile walk yesterday with my friend from upstairs. We caught the train to the Tower, that's the Tower of London, and then walked to Greenwich, where they keep time. We walked along the river. And we were able to see the shard on the skyline from every aspect, a dominating building. The weather, I must say, was perfect for walking. It wasn't too windy and it was cool enough for a long sleeve shirt and a light cardi. And after walking for about a couple of hours, I was able to carry that in my bag. And there was no sun, so it wasn't beating down on us. I thought I'd be exhausted, but I think I take my lone walks very fast when I go out. So this was more of a leisurely stroll with several breaks, including coffee and lunch. And we were gone for eight hours. It was absolutely lovely. And this week I have time for an excerpt from my final chapter. And we're nearly at the end of the book. So um, I'm excited about that. Uh, Last week I was telling you how my youngest thought money loaned to her didn't have to be paid back. A few dollars bonus just added to her regular babysitting money. And she was soon to learn otherwise. Wrongly, she thought that the odd dollar loan to her would be forgotten as quickly as she spent it. She couldn't believe that people actually kept up with every last penny they loaned out. Putting herself in their shoes helped drive this lesson home, and she went off borrowing money fast after loaning some to a friend who dropped out of the college class they were in with the borrowed money, never to be seen again. From then on, she grew to value every cent and liked knowing that on payday, she owed nothing. It was all hers to save and spend, but first to tithe. When each child became gainfully employed, the subject of tithing was visited anew. It was a tough one because not all their friends did. They knew what they had to give and they did so gladly, but I wanted it to have some personal meaning for them. Giving to a church general fund isn't rewarding for young people who like to see what their money buys. Paying a portion of a utility bill to keep the lights on doesn't quite have the same impact as being able to wear the acolyte cross bought with hard-earned cash. Early on in our homeschool, we had encouraged the money to be assigned to a more tangible fund, to buy gift vouchers from McDonald's, for example, to be handed to a down-and-out kipping on the library bench, or to buy a CD of worship music that they particularly enjoyed, or even a teen Bible. As this revisiting took place, they agreed to send their tithes to support Paris's work on the Mercy Ship in Africa, for which she was grateful. Another addition to her income was when she successfully auditioned for Radio Disney, where Big Brother had debuted. Her articulate speech and quick memorization skills awarded her a job as a kid announcer. 
Unlike the days when Ian was a Disney kid and I was driving to the studios three and four times a week with all the children in the back of the van laden with schoolwork, they now had so many kids, they had to be much more organised and I only had to take her once a week. And she was the lone homeschooler, so there were no hassles there at all. Her wage hardly covered the petrol, but then she wasn't paying for that. The mention on her resume was priceless. With an eye to the future and taking advantage of no sibling competitiveness, I tried to ease out of her what she wanted to do with her life. I had some inklings taken from scraps of paper I'd kept listing her dreams. They all featured a thatched English cottage, a PC, which is a Prince Charming, and dancing on stage. England was the prominent backdrop. Oh, and a bakery found its way in there somehow. And I seem to remember she'd mentioned in passing that she'd like to be Simon's veterinary assistant or a paramedic, since she was also curious about where ambulances were speeding off to and often asked, can we follow one one day? I knew her better than anyone else, barring God, and I tried to get her to think about and articulate what it was that she thought she would like to pursue for her future, since her interests were so diverse. We started with short-term goals. She wanted the lead in Nutcracker. I suggested that sharing that goal with me wouldn't do much to further her ambition, so she included it in a profile she was required to complete about her experiences, goals and aspirations for her ballet school. By telling the owners and directors her ambition, she gained this coveted lead for two years in a row. Short-term goal number one achieved. Other goals, which she mistakenly thought of as short-term, included her driving permit and owning a cell phone. These were the two main bones of contention at home between us. Now, remember, she's 16. Her fierce desire to drive she reasoned, should totally counter the McNenny household rule that no one drove until they were 18. Furthermore, the need for a cell phone was not deemed necessary until she turned at least 17, because without driving alone and not being allowed to travel anywhere with her young friends at the wheel, she wasn't going to need to call us and let us know where she was. We'd be right there with her. These house rules had been successfully enforced for three passages through 16, and we weren't going to change them now. Can you imagine the hoopla from her older siblings, not to mention our damaged credibility as reliable, stick-to-our-word keepers of promises, abiders of rules, enforcers of traditions that lingered happily unchanging at Wildflower Academy, the school within the house of their childhoods? No, neither can I, but, she cunningly brought to my attention, they no longer live at home, so won't even know. Well, who's she kidding? Remembering our overactive family grapevine, I thought, I was not a social expert or age 16, but I knew if I reneged on what, on what had become set in stone boundaries, we'd have a mutiny on our hands from siblings who had waited patiently and without question for the privileges to be bestowed. She waited. In the end, there was little verbal complaint, and when she looked back a swift two years later, she couldn't imagine what all the fuss had been about. Oh, just doing my job as a teenager, Mum, she said. Also on her list was what she considered the required attendance at college. Her sister had decided against the college track for the time being, but Malia didn't relish missionary work and wanted to try her hand at handling other teachers, other children her age, other experiences. So she tentatively put the college entrance exam on the bottom of her list, knowing if it were anywhere near the top, I'd pounce. Well, she was swatting for the test anyway as part of her school. It's a pretty comprehensive workbook and ensures thorough revision of basic skills, which she took in her stride. 
So, having recognized the closed for further discussion signs in our demeanors, she yielded to our wills where car and cell phone were concerned and engaged her trusty, independent, out-of-the-box thinking to flex her muscles more creatively in another direction by painting her room. She went at it with a tack and flair, and when we ventured upstairs, she'd covered the walls with Pepto-Bismol pink. I waited for an invitation before helping her reach those side-twisting, back-breaking places, and her father did the paintwork, and the job was done in a day. She loved the rosy glow of her room now, and we helped her find accessories and sheets to make it the space she enjoyed coming home to. All homeschoolers and young folks need to have somewhere to call their own, somewhere no one without the suffix teen attached to their age would feel completely comfortable in. Pass me the dark glasses, would you? How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Whether you're four and a half or 100, you can retrain your brain. Learning RX, the radio show, is on toginet.com, Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time with Martin Kruger. Learning RX programs are quick, they're efficient, they're life changing, and they're permanent. Unlike tutoring, cognitive skills training or brain training targets the root issue causing learning struggles. Time and money spent on chronic tutoring is a clear signal of cognitive skill deficiency. That's where Learning RX comes in. Call today, 903 617 6899. 903 617 6899. Then join us for the show here every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And take advantage of the power it holds to improve your life. There are so many brain training issues that Learning RX can help you with. It's not a product, it's an experience. So join us for Learning RX, the radio show with Martin Kruger. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. A live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 Central on Toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I'm thrilled to welcome my guest today, Trisha Goya, host of Living Inspired, a Toginet radio show. Trisha is a fellow homeschooler and author of 30 books, including Songbird Under a German Moon and The Mummy Memoir, 
Blue Light Play-Doh. Trisha won Historical Novel of the Year in 2005 and 2006 from ACFW and was honoured with the Writer of the Year Award from Mount Hermon Writers' Conference in 2003. Trisha's book, Life Interrupted, was a finalist for the Gold Medallion in 2005. In addition to her novels, Trisha writes non-fiction books and magazine articles and is a regular speaker at conventions and conferences. She and her family make their home in Little Rock, Arkansas. Welcome to my show, Tricia. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. And you know, I got all those books and everything out of the way, but we're not going to be talking that much about books because I want to talk about you and your family and um, what you do and the show. And Wonderful. Everything. All right. Well, you know, the first question that comes into my head is, I know you have these children who are like 19 and 20 and 23, sort of the upper upper range, and you have a two-year-old, and I want to know, because I've been many, many years without my little ones, what's it like? Oh, it's, <laughs> I realize how much energy it takes to chase a two-year-old all over again. <laughs> we, uh, we adopted Alyssa, we had her, we got it, brought her home when she was six days old, and she's been Ooh. such a joy, Ooh. and, you know, I always thought, okay, my older kids are going to be graduating from homeschool, mm-hmm. so we are starting all over again, and going back to shapes and colors and alphabet, and it's oh, fun lovely. having her around. Now, do you think it's going to be um, easier this time around, or what? I, you know, I think I'm definitely a more relaxed mom, a more mm-hmm. relaxed homeschooler. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think we've just made homeschooling part of our everyday life. We're mm-hmm. at the library and reading books, and um, I think I'm more relaxed with her. So we're really enjoying this time. Mm-hmm. But the times have changed. I mean, there's, it's so much more electronic today than it was when our children were young. I know. It's so funny when my little two-year-old will pick up my phone, my uh-huh. smartphone, and figure out how to get to her game and start playing it on my oh, phone. My and I didn't, even yeah. have, I didn't even have a cell phone when my older ones were little. So there is a lot of changes. Yeah. Yeah, there are. Well, it's good for you. And um, are you going, is she going to be an only child or are you going to adopt some more? Yeah, we're actually in the process of adopting from the foster care system. Mm-hmm. Um, here in Arkansas, there are many children that are looking for those forever homes. So my husband mm-hmm. and I are going through parenting classes right now. Oh, so right. it's always so fun. So you, you have to do that regardless of successfully raising three and then you've got, you've got a two-year-old, you still have to go through parenting classes again? We, we do. And, you know, a lot of the classes are good because they talk about, you know, some of the challenges of many foster kids, the trauma in their lives, the, mm-hmm. you know, the attachment disorders some of them have and so it's, it's really good it's making us think of things that we never thought about since we had our own biological children and then had Alyssa when she was just a baby we hadn't thought about you know children that had been neglected or had been abused before so I, we're learning a lot it's always yeah. you know it's never too late to learn definitely no and so are you going to go for a baby again or an older child you know we're praying about it um we don't get a pick <laughs> they will they will look at our family and then they'll, they'll suggest a child to us and we you know of course we can say yes or no after we get to know that child but we're just right now just trusting god that he'll bring um the right child into our home sure he will well thank you for that and you and i have been on TogiNet together for a long time do you want to tell me how you got involved and started living inspired 
You know, I never planned to do radio, but I had a friend, Stacy, that asked, and she encouraged me and said, this is something you'd be great at since I write books and blogs. And what I, I love about it is just being able to hear people's stories and learn about their lives. I feel like every week, I'm sure, like you, just meeting new friends and, mm-hmm. and getting to know um, more about them. It's almost like sitting down with coffee with a friend every week. And so yeah. I just enjoy that, and I'm inspired, and I hope that my radio listeners are too. And so your guests are, um, what kinds of guests do you have? I mostly have authors, um, Christian authors, some speakers. I've had a few um, uh, actors on the show, Mm -hmm. but mostly I just love hearing about Christian authors and the books they write and what inspired them. Um, A lot of their early years and the path that God took them, um, how God has transformed their lives and the messages they hope to reach out and share with other people. So really what's deep in their heart and what God is doing in their lives. Mm-hmm. And you write a lot of books and um, you write a lot of books. <laughs> and um, I know that you homeschool as well. And a lot of um, the women that I have on my show, I have them so that I can show um, people who are thinking about homeschooling that you can still have a separate life from homeschool, if you like, if you choose to do that, you can you can have a job, you can work from home, you can write, do all kinds of things. And so the, the mums that I get on a lot have done this and show that they can successfully homeschool. And, you know, they, they temper it to the age of their child. And as they get older, they're right. able to do more and, and that. So how did you manage writing and homeschooling your children? When I first started, they were little, so I'd have, you know, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a one-year-old, mm-hmm. and um, I would write in the afternoons. I would take a couple hours, and they would have their their playtime, and so I would set up Legos. I would set up Play-Doh and crayons, and, you know, at first they would, Mommy, Mommy, come play with me, and I said, this is Mommy's writing time, um, and they got to be where they can they can entertain themselves for about two hours, which I think is amazing. And I think it's been helpful. So many times we think as homeschoolers we have to be entertaining, engaging our kids all day long. But really they learn how to sit and read. They learn how to entertain themselves. And so as they, like you said, as they got older, that time expanded, you know, sometimes three hours. And, you know, the morning would be spent homeschooling and spending time with them. So, you know, really I didn't feel guilty. I mean, we were all in the same house, you know, interacting yeah. Um, yeah. occasionally, but they, they learned how to entertain themselves. And then as they got older into junior high and high school, you know, a lot of their work is independent. They're writing reports. And my husband um, built this desk in my office. And so it wrapped around three walls and I had my desk and then I had the three children with their desk and I would, you know, help them with things. But when they were working on stuff, then I would maybe be working on a book or um, putting together a book proposal idea, you know, answering emails. And so even though they were homeschooling, we were all working together. I felt like we were all doing our homework together. And I think it's important for our kids to see us working at following God's dreams for us too. Mm. And, um, when you were working, when, when, when you were um, writing and your children were doing their work as well, um, how, how do you think they were impacted? Do you have any writers among your children or um, is that still sort of a latent skill or did any blossom immediately and you could see? They're all writers. <laughs> They're all writers. They're all writers. Um, both of my sons are working on novels. Uh, they're, you know, they've taken it slow. They're not, you know, attempting to write in a year, but they're 
they they have ideas in their heads and they they enjoy writing, they enjoy reading. They say I've ruined them though, because every book they pick up, they're critiquing it and editing it as they go. Um, and then my daughter has her own blog, um, and she blogs often. And uh, when she was younger, um, nine and ten, she actually had a column for Guidepost for Kids magazine that she wrote um, just about being a homeschooler and um, being a, a junior higher or you know, elementary school student. And so she has always, always had um, a talent for writing. And in fact, in college, she had the dean of writing approach her and ask her to switch majors from sign language to writing because she was such a good writer. And she ended up um, do, changing it to a liberal arts degree that focuses on more on writing and editing and then also included the the sign language in there. So it's been amazing to see. Of course, my kids' weaknesses are math <laughs> because, yeah. you know, I would say, let's write a story or let's, uh, you know, read another book and, oh, we'll worry about that math tomorrow. So I have yeah, seen some I, of my I weaknesses just, yeah. pop up in them too. Yeah, well, I, I did the same thing. Math was sort of okay because the word, some of the word problems were, were crafted so well. You yes. know, I used to enjoy doing that. But um, the science was my thing. Science always went on the back burner. Mm. So one of my sons wanted to be um, an engineer before he became a filmmaker, of course. I mean, all of my children are autistic. And I thought, oh, how am I going to teach him chemistry and physics? He needs that stuff. So right. I had to join a co-op. And after about four years with this co-op that took care of both my boys, I had the confidence to do it on my own. I thought, well, you know, all the instructions are there. These books are great. I can do this. And so I did it. So, I mean, I think I broke out of my little um, artsy box a little bit yes. and took the science. But I haven't looked, I haven't gone back to science, you know, now that it's gone. I really don't have right. to do that. So. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, what did you do with the with the subjects that weren't your um, your passion? Yeah, with well, I did a lot like you um, with co. I, we were in some co ops, and so I had a friend that was a mathematical and science brain. I mean, she loved it, and so she would do the science projects with my kids, and I would teach her kids how to write essays. So it worked out well, um, and you know, I think it. I think that's an important thing to realize that we have areas that we have strengths in it, but also there's other moms that have other strengths. Yeah, you know, I had, yeah. I, um, I had a friend that taught music lessons to my kids, another friend did art lessons with them. And so really just sharing our talents um, yeah. really yeah. makes a huge difference. That's what I did. I mean, what comes really naturally for me doesn't come naturally for a lot of people. And I was surprised by that because I had a friend who was completely stumped on syllables. She could not mm. figure out syllables. And I was thinking, oh, gosh, okay, well, I, I think I can help her here. Because yes. She's obviously having a real problem. And so she um, did art, actually, with my, with my children while I did English with her. So that was great. So I was just teaching English all day, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So uh, that was good. All right. Um, so did you have a curriculum that you used or did you just, you know, sort of cast around and use multiple I've things? used so many curriculums. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've, you know, I've used, uh, we did Sunlight one year because we enjoy books so much. I've um, done some of the Alpha Omega um, mm -hmm. items. And I think the thing that we finally settled into when my kids were in junior high was um, just Alpha Omega switched on Schoolhouse which mm -hmm. was on the computer because the other thing I was not good at was grading papers. <laughs> oh, okay. They would do their work, but for me to sit down, you know, when I had books to write and to sit down and check off all these papers was not my strength. And so mm -hmm. that's the one thing I enjoyed about the 
switched out schoolhouse on the computer was um, that it would grade the papers. But, of course, we'd always supplement. You know, if they were studying about um, plant life, you know, we'd go to the library and get more books or videos, and we'd go on nature walks. So even yeah. though, you know, we used the curriculum on the computer, it, that was just a starting point for where we went after that. Well, Tricia, we've got to go on a short break. I've been talking to Tricia Goyer, host of Living Inspired here on Tokenet Radio. And in my next segment, we'll be exploring ways to check out God's schedule. So come back. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Craig Deswalt and learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Craig Deswalt is the creator of the Rock Star System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside-the-box marketing strategies to stand out from the competition. Each high-energy show will feature interviews with celebrity rock stars as well as business rock stars. For more on Craig, the show, and the Rockstar Marketing Boot Camps, check out the website, CraigDuswalt.com, so you can learn how to be perceived as an expert and celebrity in your field, so more people can be you to buy your services and products. Then, get ready to be a rock star with Rock Talk and Craig Duswalt. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Tugginet.com. Why do I feel so lousy? Why are my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live on Tugginet.com. The author of the book, Help, My Body is Killing Me, Solving the Connections of Autoimmune Disease to Thyroid Problems, Fibromyalgia, Depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better. To make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live here on Togginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Togginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So, Tricia, on reading through your um, blog, I didn't read all the way through it because you write every single day, yeah. um, but, but I picked up and went back um, on some of them, and um, I got a general feeling there that um, there's a lot of prayer that goes on. Um, you tap in to um, God and try and discern what it is that he wants for your life and some of the decisions um, probably, as for most of us, aren't that easy. You go, really? <laughs> you really think that's the best way to go? And um, um, can you tell us a, a little bit about um, moving to uh, Little Rock? Now, you said in one of your blogs that you moved to Little Rock, which is the Bible Belt, which quite honestly, after England, I've been here a year and I am English, 
I'm looking forward to getting back to the Bible Belt mm. because it's just terrible here. And I thought, oh, what a great place for my kids because at least, I mean, they're, they're getting a very varied group of friends and they're getting, you know, exposure, but not nearly as um, in your face as, as here. Um, so how, how did you deal with that? Because I know some of the ministries that you had, that you were in or the main ministry that you were in and then moving into the Bible Belt and wanting to still minister to these people that needed you, but you didn't want to be living a lifestyle that was completely at the opposite end of the scale to right. where they were. So tell us a little bit about that because I found, I found that really interesting. Yeah, we moved to Little Rock um, two years ago. My husband got a job with Family Life, which is part of Campus Crusade for Christ. So he's wanted to work in ministry for years, and God plopped this opportunity on our laps. We were at a conference and had no idea. Um, but when they said, there's staffing opportunities, my husband turned and looked at me, and I knew that he had a desire that way. And so we moved from Northwest to the, the Bible Belt, and I was amazed that people would stop me in the grocery stores and invite me to Bible study. We had a man, my husband was mowing the lawn, and a man pulled over and asked him if he had a church home. And we're, we're like, who are these people? Because yeah. they're so open with their faith. But you know, when we first moved, we moved to a nicer area of town, and my husband worked for Christian ministry, and we were surrounded by huge churches all around us. And I thought it would be so easy to stay in this Christian bubble and just to you know keep our kids protected. And But something inside of me said, you know, there's just... 10 minutes away, there's people that really have great needs, and we started attending a multi-ethnic church that's in inner city Little Rock. We have everyone from, you know, state senators to homeless people who will show up on Sunday mornings, and I worked with um, teen moms in Montana for uh, about 10 years, and when we came down here, I started looking at the statistics, and there's 800 teenage mothers in Little Rock. That's just in Little Rock every year. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, you know, I, I know how much hope they need and help they need. I was a teen mom myself. I had my oldest son when I was 17, and so we started a teen mom support group, and completely different than Montana. You know, these these girls often have um, parents in jail. They're living with grandparents. They might not even know their biological dad. Um, you know, I have one young woman that was uh, 20 years old, and she already had four kids. Mm-hmm. And so just seeing their needs is great, but just being there and loving on them and telling God loves them and that they can do great things with their lives um, has blessed me, and I know it has encouraged them too. And so it's a hard ministry. There's so many needs, um, but just knowing that the encouragement we give, the diapers, the clothes, um, mm-hmm. they go a long way. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. How how are you supporting teen moms? I mean, do you go right from the basic counseling of um, keep your baby or at least have your baby and um, all the way through to when they've had had the baby and they've decided that maybe they will bring the child up themselves? And, you know, how, how where does where does it go? Your, your okay. health your support. Yeah. Well, when we were in Montana, I helped start a pregnancy care center up there, and that's what we would do. We would counsel um, young women, encourage them to have their babies, and then, of course, you know, if they're they're choosing to carry their babies and become a parent, um, I, I felt that we needed to help them. We need to help them yeah. prepare them to be the best mothers that they can be. Here in Little Rock, um, I work with uh, young women who've already decided to carry their babies, and and actually, the young women that I um, 
I mentor and I teach, they, you know, when they're pregnant at 13 or 14, um, they don't even think of termination. They, mm-hmm. Their moms had them when they were 13 or 14. Their mm-hmm. grandmas had kids. And so really, they it's just everyone else is doing it. Their sister has two or three kids. And so it's almost become a lifestyle. And so... Mm-hmm. My, you know, in our meetings we have, we teach them about parenting, about safety, about car seats, about nutrition, and then also about purity, about, you know, just because you have a child, you don't need to continue in this lifestyle, Mm -hmm. um, just having more kids and having sex outside of marriage. And so really showing them how valued they are and -hmm. they don't have to, um, you know, just become sexually active because a guy is interested in that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully they will start making better decisions and we've seen them become better moms and I know that that it does make a difference just someone giving them positive encouragement and help and you know sometimes they don't get that like I said if their their mom's in jail and they're raised with grandma and their grandma has four other kids that she's taking care of they often don't get the one-on-one encouragement Mm -hmm. And so is this out of your church or is it a completely different ministry, separate um, it's, it's at the church and we have it on Thursday nights. And um, there's my little two-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> right now. She was trying to find out where mommy went. Um, but we have it at the church and um, we have dinner for them and then we have a devotion. So we share God's word with them. And then we have a speaker come in and for attending, they get a, they get free diapers and free clothes. And, you know, every week we have new girls showing up because friends go back and say, I have this program and we have diapers and the ladies are really nice. And so um, we just have seen it grown and grow. And so do they continue coming to the program after they've had their babies? Yes, they can continue coming until they're um, 20 years old. Oh, and wow. so, you know, so, some girls are 13, 14, so they can, they're going to be coming for a while. We're going to yeah. have five and six year olds running around there. Yeah. And, pro- and probably, well, I mean, it would encourage them. It would, they, they'd see your servant heart and it would cur- encourage them maybe to reach out to each other and, and help each other. So they do. Yeah. yeah. They, they share baby clothes. If, you know, mm-hmm. one child's got grown clothes, another, they'll pass clothes to a friend and they've traded babysitting. They've given each other rides to appointments. And so mm-hmm. that's what we really want to. It's yeah. not just us taking care of them, but they learn to care for each other and build a support team. Yeah. So they, they, they're still at school at 13. Are they still continuing at school? Yes. Um, most of our girls are in school. Um, one young lady, she was uh, only six weeks from graduation, and she didn't have anyone to um, watch her child. And one of our leaders ended up going for six weeks and um, picking her up and taking her to school every day and watching her baby for her so she can finish her education. And so, you know, so we were like, you're only six weeks away. Do not give up. Finish high school. Yeah. Um, but most of them have their children either in daycare or they have a parent or grandparent that helps them. Um, so we just encourage them, don't give up. Keep going. Yeah. Um, so you said you were doing this for 10 years in Montana. So I'm thinking your children are going to be a lot younger then. Um, did they, were they included in the ministry? They were included. Um, when I first started, I didn't, 
want to do this at all. Um, I felt, well, actually my pastor asked me if I'd be interested in helping start a pregnancy care center. And I thought, oh, you know, I was a teen mom, but I kind of wanted to put that behind me. I didn't want to think about it. I just wanted to, you know, write and homeschool my kids. But God reminded me of the women that came into my life. And so I started when they were young and we would go, we had a, a building donated to us and they were to help paint and clean up. And then at the teen mom support groups, my daughter, would babysit. My sons would come and help with baby clothes, fold baby clothes. And, you know, at the beginning, I thought, oh, my poor children, they're having to come and be with me when we're volunteering. But really, it has been such a blessing because they've learned how to serve and they've learned how to care and give to others. They they have understood, um, you know, the challenges of becoming a young parent and have encouraged, you know, the friends to stay pure. And, and it's just amazing to see how giving and serving has impacted their lives, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you've got your children helping, and I know that... Hang on, excuse me, I have to close my window. Somebody's mowing right outside. Could you hear that all the way from England? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a flat and we actually have people come and do our garden for us, which is really nice. You just kind of watch them out there knowing the garden. Um, okay, so you've got you've got your children um, included in your ministry. Now, um, are any of them doing any kind of ministry um, on the strength of what they learned as children? Absolutely. Um, my 23-year-old son is uh, helping with the Children's Church in Montana. So uh, my husband actually started that ministry, and we moved to Little Rock, but my son's still up there, and he's still helping in Children's Church. And uh, my youngest son, who's 18, and he helps in Children's Church with my husband here in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. And then our daughter, who's 20, is actually in the Czech Republic right now. She's there for two months on a mission trip, and she's teaching English. Oh. <laughs> um, at English camps, and so here she is. She just turned twenty a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. She mm-hmm. leaves mm-hmm. Um, right after her twentieth birthday. Heads to Europe by herself. Um, mm-hmm. She's working with a missionary in a Czech church, but she's over there and just reaching out to people. I said it's the perfect job for her because she she meets with people. She has coffee with them. She shares her heart with them. She teaches mm-hmm. English, um, and so it's amazing to see how you know. So many times, you know, we want to protect our kids and keep them safe, but, you know, just being willing to say, God, here you go, you know, and to know that she's, he's taking care of her and she's reaching out to people there in the Czech Republic. Well, you say we can do extraordinary things with God's help. We can. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, well, we, 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 we're going to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, thinking, you know, what's God doing and how can I join him? And you, mm. you just see so much need out there and you go, okay, well, maybe I should think about doing that before I think about doing mine. You know, and my thing with my children always was seek ye first the kingdom because mm. I had a lesson on that. You know, I said, I don't have time to do this and I don't have time to do that. But then when I started to pray and read the Bible with my children, all of a sudden I seemed to have extra hours in my day. I have no idea where they came from, but it was a miracle. Yeah. And I, I so from then on, you know, 20 some odd years further, further down the line, Always, I always do that now, thinking, you know, you put the kingdom first. Absolutely. Everything else will fall into place. And I know you have a wonderful story about that. So we'll wait until after this next break. If you can come back for a few minutes into my next break. Yes. All right. Um, we'll be back just shortly. So don't go far. 
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Fertility is an extremely personal subject. Tune in Monday nights at 9, 8 central for the Fertility Forum with infertility psychotherapist and expert Phyllis Martin on Toginet.com. This is the show about infertility, gaining support, and information. Phyllis will assist you in navigating the disappointments and decisions that often accompany the difficult journey from diagnosis to conception, pregnancy to parenthood. She is passionate about her work and is an expert in the donor egg field, bringing both her personal and professional experience to all she does. Ms. Martin has extensive experience in helping patients cope with infertility, pregnancy loss, adoption, surrogacy, miscarriage, pregnancy termination, and creative family building. She knows what you're going through, and she's here to help. It's the Fertility Forum with your host, Phyllis Martin, Monday nights at 9, 8 central on Tuggynet.com. Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. central on Tuggynet.com. Doctor, doctor. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management, the holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness, how emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, Trisha, we have about five minutes, and um, I want to ask you um, what happened when you sat back and said, well, what is God doing and how can I join in? Oh, you know, there are so many things that happened. And, um, you know, the, the beginning of that was, of course, I mentioned the start of the Pregnancy Care Center. Um, you know, he led me to do that. And I thought, oh, this is something I don't want to do. But I found so much joy in giving and serving. It's something that I love to do now. But also with my own writing, um, I started wanting to write these sweet little romance uh, novels. And no, it was going nowhere. So I started saying, God, what are you doing? How can I join you in, in this? And um, it was on a trip to Europe. We, Two friends and I went through six countries in seven days. And while we were um, in Austria, we came to Mauthausen Camp, and that's where I got the idea um, for my first novel, uh, which is from Dust and Ashes, is about the liberation of Mauthausen Concentration Camp. And as I sat there and the historian told us about the liberation of the camp by 23 American GIs um, and how they had liberated 25,000 prisoners and then the first one into the camp and 
was a Nazi officer's wife. She hadn't been happy with what had happened, and she ended up going in after her husband um, had fled to escape the Americans. She went in and started caring for the people inside mm-hmm. the camp. And I thought, what an amazing story. Mm-hmm. And that led me to writing historical fiction. And then working with teen moms led me to work on my book for teen moms. And so I thought, you know, I had my plans. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, God has different plans. And it, I've discovered that when I just ask him that question, God, What, where are you working and how can I join you? God has um, people he wants us to reach. He has, you know, so for me, stories he wanted me to write. And when I was so busy doing what I thought he wanted, it was going nowhere. It was hitting the wall. It was being frustrated. But when I was willing to turn it over to him and say, God, where do you want me? Um, he's continued to open doors. And it's amazing to see that even, you know, ask that question at our church. And it led me to um, talking to a a friend of mine who was Czech about, you know, going on a mission trip to the Czech Republic. And that was in 2008. And we've gone twice. My daughter has been there every year since. Now she's there. So you never know. And I think that's so important as parents. The steps God wants us to take is often not just for us, but for our kids. I had never, I didn't know when we decided about that first mission trip that, you know, five years later, my daughter would be there, um, you know, for two months. And so mm-hmm. it's amazing to see that it's not only God's plans for us, but for our children. And, and when we take those steps that, you know, our, our children are following behind and, mm-hmm. and God has good plans for them too. I think sometimes, though, people are frightened that God might ask them to do something they really can't do. And listening to you, it's obvious that God said, writing's fine. You know, that's your talent. That's the gift that I have given you. But use it in a different way. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, I love the verse that talks about, in my weakness, God's strength is complete. Um, all the areas that I am weak, and I am very weak in a lot of areas, um, when I when I at least take those steps of faith, God fills in. God, you know, God doesn't prepare us ahead of time and give us everything we need. But as we take those steps of faith, um, he meets the needs as we go along. He will give us the strength. He will give us the wisdom. He'll bring people into our lives. You know, when we first started the Pregnancy Care Center, I thought, I can't handle all this by myself. And we had a volunteer meeting, and there was three of us starting the center. Um, and we just put a word out in Christian community over the radio and church bulletins. And they said, are you interested in, you know, um, reaching out to young women who are facing crisis pregnancy or to young moms? And the very first meeting, there was 35 women that showed up to help, that had a desire to help. And it was just God's way of saying, see, you don't have to do everything on your own. Just take those first steps and I will provide. And so with every book that I write, I think I can't do this. This is going to be too hard or this subject's too big. Um, God reminds me, I can do it. You don't have to worry about doing it. So we're right into your books because I cannot go go by without at least acknowledging the fact that you are a prolific author. What is the favorite book that you've ever written? Oh, I I have to go back to um, my second World War II novel, which is Night Song, and it takes place in the Czech Republic, (laughs) back to the Czech Republic, and it's about a 13-year-old boy. Um, He's a violinist, and he gets put into the concentration camp, but because of his musical talent, his life is spared as he plays for the camp orchestra. It's inspired by true stories i went to um, three different World War II reunions, and one of the men told me that when he liberated the 
camp. He was one of the liberators. When they opened the gates, there was an orchestra playing. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, I couldn't believe that, that, you know, here's these Jewish prisoners that are playing this beautiful music. And here's this, you know, 19-year-old kid that's showing up and, and coming across this orchestra. But I think the reason why it's my favorite and why it's so powerful to me is um, the main character was a 13-year-old boy, and when I was writing it, my son was 13. And so as I was sitting there, you know, in our school room, homeschool room with the desk wrapped around, <laughs> I'd be working mm-hmm. on this book, and they'd be working on their math problems, and I would just turn and look at my son, who was 13, and just imagine him in that situation. And I cried my way through that book. Um, you know, just, you know, they needed help with their multiplication, and mom sitting at the computer crying as I'm yeah. working with this story. So it just touches a deep place, because it really hit home to me realizing what people face as I sat there and looked at my own kids. Well, Tricia, thank you so much for joining me today, this morning for you, this afternoon for me. I've been talking to Tricia Goya, homeschooler and author of many, many books, um, running the gamut from contemporary historical and nonfiction. And she's able to share her message of hope and possibility with God's help through these books. And she talks at conventions and conferences and does a lot of other things. But as you heard from our conversation, um, All this pales against her greatest joy, her family. She homeschooled her three oldest children and has one more to go and probably several more to go, God willing. Um, She shares Jesus' love through volunteering as a mentor for teenage mums in her community and ministering in the Czech Republic on regular mission trips where her daughter is currently serving. Tricia hosts a weekly show called Living Inspired here on Toginet Radio, so Thursdays at 3 o'clock central, where she invites women everywhere to cast aside discouragement and fear to live real life inspired and you can find her at trishagoya.blogspot.com and trisha thank you so much for joining me today oh i had a wonderful time you just brightened my whole day talking to you (laughs) well thank you so much and i hope you have a fruitful weekend well thank you you too all right Bye. bye well you know my mantra Once a homeschooler, always a homeschooler. And as a family, we look challenges fair and square in the eye and face them head on. And yes, I know it's easier sometimes to sweep stuff under the carpet or to take the easy way and decide, let's just do what everyone else does. But we are the McNennies and homeschoolers to boot. So surprise, surprise, surprise. We don't do that. My southern gentleman and I left America a year ago with one child living at home, our youngest son, the zookeeper. Some of our friends thought we needed our heads examined, but we did it anyway. At least he could keep an eye on our investment and make sure he didn't, it didn't flood or burn down, maybe. Well, now... On the verge of us going home, we have both sons living in, and on our return, our youngest will join them. So in true best laid plans of mice and men style, our nifty little idea of running away from home and the pending empty nest has somewhat backfired. Or has it? Our sons were going to move into their own flat on our return, which was a good idea, but then they got a hard and fast date from us, and they started panicking and making, so soon? Oh, when did you say? Oh, we better get looking for our own place then, sorts of noises. So we wrote them a don't jump the gun email, invited them to stick around for a while and pay us a few token dollars a month, since we were going to have to rent their rooms anyway if they moved out, because we needed a passive sort of income to help us recover from our rather expensive year off. 
We had no reply to this invitation, that is, until yesterday, when our oldest son wanted to know our exact plans. Now, for a couple who are known to leave the house for a dinner out, still undecided about which restaurant to go to, this was a pretty tall order. I still haven't planned our final evening here, let alone what we're going to be doing as soon as we arrive home, I told my son. Well, what he really wanted to know was, were we going to go back to the parent-children relationship, or could we be, dare he say it, roommates? Boom, I was down from the carpet. I heard him say, in essence, you and Dad are the ones coming back after moving out. You are the returning parentals to the cosy offspring nest. He also pointed out that he'd lived on his own now for longer than we'd lived with our children as a couple, whatever that had to do with anything. But I think it was a subtle way of saying, I'm used to being on my own and calling my own shots. Well, really, though, what he was saying that we got from this conversation is that he could handle all sorts of household problems better than he used to be able to when he lived at home with us at age 10 or so. Well, I should hope so. So my home-owning Southern gentleman and I looked at each other and mouthed, huh? Roommates? Friends? With our children? My son filled the silence with this insight. The privilege cuts both ways. We are privileged to be able to live at home at a modest rent with all the attendant amenities, and you are privileged to have young people living with you whom you know instead of strangers. He is clever. But then he was taught by the best rhetoric and all. I suppose this is a youthfully unique way of looking at the situation, so I think we'd go willing to give it a try. If anyone can make it work, the McNennies can. So I'll let you know how this friend-roommates experiment goes, and I'll keep you updated. And that is it. Telling the telling of my social life has to cease for yet another week. This weekend, we're going to spend both days out because we only have three weeks to go and I don't want to be stuck inside. I'm shifting gears into holiday mode. We have a funeral that we have to go to on Monday, unexpected death of one of my aunts, and we're moving Malia out of Diggs that same evening. I'll be here the same time, same place next week. So without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight. Our four children, who are the result of that belief. I miss you three in Texas, not long to go now the hard-working staff at Toginet Radio, my guest, Trisha Goya, thank you, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindale, Hannah, so glad you're back to normal activities after your back surgery, Tina, Rosemary, Pam, Charlotte, and many others who are a part of my growing audience. You can listen to Trisha's show, Living Inspired, on Thursdays at 3 o'clock Central, and while you're here on Toginet, listen to Brenda Nixon's show, The Parents Plate, on Tuesdays at 9 central. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Togi